Hi, and welcome back to Lemis the Pod. You are um, going to be enjoying season two, and I thought I would take a minute to just explain the brand Lemis and the podcast Lemis. So I started both simultaneously, but obviously launched the podcast first. It was always the plan to be in support of Lemis the brand which, if you don't know, is a clean and um, beautiful luxury candle brand uh, with a focus on sustainability. Really, it's about home fragrances, um, but we've launched with four candles. You can check out the scents on the website. They're very clean, only coconut and soy wax with a lead-free wick, and the base is really... um, really to have like a, an aromatherapy effect on the person. So uplift, calm, all the things. And, um, the scents are really, you know, they, they hopefully just uplift you and transcend you. That was the goal. I hand blended every scent by myself with my own hands. And I work with, um, someone in Vancouver who does the hand pouring and helps me with the sample making and is a wonderful partner. So in this business endeavor, I also have an amazing, amazing designer who will be on the podcast later this season. So we'll talk about how we created the branding as well. Um, It's been such a fun ride and I'm so happy that the brand has finally launched. Having said that, I love the podcast. I love having a way to, you know, sort of part of the branding. And I love having the opportunity to interview like-minded individuals who are also pursuing creative endeavors or, you know, an entrepreneurial journey. Um, Season two has a very strong focus on that. And um, the episodes are really, really fun and yummy. And I know that you'll enjoy every bit of it while lighting a candle, hopefully. So to learn more, go to www.lemis.com, L-A-M-I-S-C.com. Or you can check us out at, um, on Instagram at Lemis Studio. Um, and yeah, like so much more to come, but just wanted to like give you the brief understanding about all that good stuff. Um, anyways, Let's do the episode. Hi, and welcome to Lemis Pod, a podcast featuring creatives, entrepreneurs, and interesting folks doing interesting things. These are real conversations covering topics such as career journey, life challenges and triumphs, romance, self-care, and all the miscellaneous things. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Dana, and today we have Tracy Kuei, I think that's how you pronounce it, on the pod. She is just like the most amazing. I definitely was just so affected by my interview with her. She, just a little bit of information about her, background information. She 
has positioned herself as an expert in the digital entertainment and tech space with experience spanning from the early days of MySpace where she played a critical role during the platform's hypergrowth, international expansion, music VJ launch, and acquisition stages. Tracy has also consulted for various startups, celebrity franchises, and most recently at Makers Studios, which is part of Disney. She now spends her time working as an executive in the gaming industry. We discuss the importance of self-realization and the power of her spiritual practices, as well as moving to a new country and the challenges of rising to the top in a male-dominated industry. There are so many nuggets of wisdom in this episode, and it's definitely a personal favorite of mine. So here's the episode. Please enjoy. So um, I guess just to start, where are you currently based and where are you originally from? I'm literally currently in Denmark. Uh, We'll be here for a month visiting with family, but uh, originally from Southern California. Okay. What part of Southern California? So I'm born and raised from San Pedro, California. Most of my adult life I spent in Los Angeles But uh, I spent some time away in London and then recently moved back. And so that's what we're here visiting family in uh, Denmark. Amazing. Okay, so that's the perfect um, segue to sort of dive into your career story. And I I just kind of want to, you know, know about it all. So maybe you can walk me through the beginning. Of course. For me, what was interesting is growing up, I was always drawn to math and numbers, always came very naturally, but uh-huh. I, also loved, I also loved fashion, creative. And coming from a first-generation American family, my parents very much were advocates of education, and so they weren't mm-hmm. as supportive for pursuing creative in a career. So <laughs> I, ended up, I ended up pursuing a degree in accounting, but I always considered myself a numbers person, yes, but even though I was an accountant, I was a creative person first. And mm-hmm. so luckily through my career choices, even though I pursued accounting, I always was very lucky in working in industries that stretched me um, mm-hmm. in creative ways and in innovative ways. I started in securities. I then quickly joined entertainment. And so Luckily, when I was at Fox, I was working on the film and distribution in in an accounting capacity, but Fox had just acquired MySpace, and then that's what began my digital and tech career in the early years of MySpace. So um, it was quite a like sort of kismet opportunity in that way, because I was in accounting, I was in accounting and entertainment, but I felt like there was more. I desired more. I wanted to learn more in the creative realm and MySpace was just the best MBA program or it felt honestly like going to going to school with your friends in college but in a in a career capacity it was it was definitely one of the highlights of my career for sure amazing so okay so you studied accounting at like at what university might I ask oh sorry uh USC Okay. So USC and like, was that just a good network opportunity too? Because you were sort of like in this, like an LA kind of university too. And you're, you have access to so many industries as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think you're highlighting something really important is that as much as USC is known for networking, I, I, I was burning it at both ends. Don't get me wrong and enjoying college, but I didn't 
I didn't really pursue networking to the extent when I look back on my career, almost every opportunity I've had after MySpace was because of a MySpace contact more so than, yeah, more so than USC. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's because MySpace was so groundbreaking and there were so many pioneers in the company that everyone went to do greater things after like really awesome things. And so Mm -hmm. that network actually became almost like an MBA experience for sure. For sure. So how long were you at MySpace for? Just under five years. It's now like, that's like a long time now, like (laughs) to be honest. Um, Let's talk about what happened after MySpace. Yes. So I've always had this feeling inside that I wasn't balanced and like, I've always had sort of the, I'd say the left brain took center stage a lot. And Mm -hmm. that's the accountant side of me. But there's this creative side that I feel comes a lot more naturally that I hadn't been giving any limelight to. So I actually, after MySpace, I took two years off to consult and pursue creative opportunities. And so I traveled. um, I spent some time in Southeast Asia, visited the East Coast a bunch, and just kind of wanted to pursue areas that I hadn't. And I took on some consulting projects for one was one was fashion related and and they were nice because they were a blend of the creative side of the house which is the fashion side that I'm really drawn to and then also the business side which with my finance and accounting background were natural fit mm-hmm. so I partnered with a friend who was doing a lot of sort of like celebrity franchises mm-hmm. and um luckily I I got pulled into a lot of the product development work a lot of the PR work and it was really it was a really amazing experience and it helped me kind of get the creative desires that I hadn't been honoring. Mm -hmm. And I also pursued teaching certification in Kundalini yoga as well. So it was a big self-discovery pause that I honored because I hadn't ever, I hadn't ever break it precisely. Yeah. What, how old were you when that like self-discovery moment happened? I wanted to say like 27. Okay. And mm-hmm. how long did it last? I'm still on it. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> yeah. Self-discovery is one of the biggest reasons why I have, I, when I look back and I'm so grateful for all the amazing opportunities I have, it's because of self and just knowing myself. I spent so many years doing what I thought I should be doing or what mm-hmm. others thought I should be doing mm-hmm. in every capacity perfect daughter, perfect sister, perfect friend, perfect employee, whatever it was, I wanted to be all of these sort of archetypes. It doesn't end up serving you really. No. And I kind of found out the hard way. And and that's exactly what was happening. So with Kundalini, the timing of it and living in LA, of course, when I left my space, I felt like, okay, what is life? Who am I? What do I want with my life? in just knowing who am I, what am I doing with myself? You know, life is not just about fabulous brunches and fabulous vacations, which yes, definitely appealed and and addressed a lot of my desires because adventure is really important to me. But there was a, there's an inner peace that I couldn't calm and I didn't know how to get there. I couldn't get there on my own. I had always been a fan of therapy, but I'd always been stronger on the spiritual realms and I just couldn't Wherever it was, I couldn't get to it. And so every year for my birthday, I like to do something different. 
And um, a girlfriend of mine said, hey, I'd love to take you out to dinner, but I know you want to do something different. Do you want to check out a Kundalini class with me? And I said, sure. And so it was, uh, it's Golden Bridge, which is unfortunately no longer open in Hollywood. And I just remember everyone was in white and we were on our hands and knees. And I just was like, where am I? And we had our fingers under our underarms and we were like panting with our tongues out. And I was just thinking, whoa, but everyone was really into it. And I was so paranoid and self-obsessed, like, oh, who's looking at me? No one's looking at you. Your eyes are closed the entire time. And there was just so many areas and elements that it pointed to about self for me that were eye-opening. And I just knew I want whatever this is, I want more of it. I walked out of that class on a natural high for hours. And I just thought, whoa, what just happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I pursued it. So after literally after taking one class, I pursued teacher training. Wow. And did you end up practicing the teaching at all? Yes. Yes. So it pretty much saved my life. I think that I was in such a, I was searching for, I was chasing something that wasn't real. And Mm -hmm. I was looking around at a lot of friends who I thought had things figured out. And I thought, okay, well, maybe that is for me. But I really didn't know who I was, genuinely. Mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. been trying to be a good student, you know, being a good employee, uh, working hard. And, and none of those things were fulfilling me until mm-hmm. Kundalini. And what Kundalini did for me was it helped to open me up. And it literally took me on a path of truth. And I met a lot of, um, I think, you know, people always say, uh, looking for my tribe, or this is my tribe. And my entire life, I'd been looking for my tribe. And so I thought when I went to Kundalini, I thought, this is my tribe. But strangely enough, it wasn't. (laughs) It was actually quite, it was actually quite clicky. And luckily I met a few souls there that are still good friends and I love deeply. Mm -hmm. But as much as you would think these places where people are working on themselves and it's a self-discovery, I was ready to just open my heart and like, this is my tribe. And it, it didn't end up being that. Well, I, I the, find like there's a lot of like, um, it's just replacing other addictions and other issues. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not real. It's just another thing. It's like what you take from it, right? But I find like, you know, I'm also not from LA. I lived in LA. So like I have a little bit more perspective and I just find like all the new age stuff, can, you can start doing like the spiritual bypassing where you're like, think that sure. you're all like self-realized and doing this like you know self-discovery thing but it's it's just replacing other like addictions and issues you know it's not like really mm-hmm. getting to the root of the issue and so that's why mm-hmm. it becomes clicky it's not it's just another like high school situation you know very much and i think when you throw la in the mix and you have a concentrated area of folks who are pursuing you know a career in entertainment or whatever it is um, it does become a little bit, there's a veil of it. But what, mm-hmm. one of the beauties of that was it actually forced me to go within. And as cheesy as this might sound, I realized that my tribe was myself and that yep, I didn't that, need. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't need anything from anyone. I, I could give it all to myself. And what, what, regardless, if it was a compliment, if it was an invitation, if it was anything, I, I literally could give it to myself. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that I do often. Um, Kundalini is still a part of my life. I try to do a 40-day 
meditation as often as I can. And <laughs> I started one when we came to Denmark because it's just so serene here. We're in the countryside, but wow. I couldn't I couldn't keep up, unfortunately, life with baby and work. So every time um, I miss a day or a moment, I just say, okay, start over. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome, though. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard. Like, a lot of people have trouble, like, squeezing in. I know they say, like, if you, that's the case with meditation, then you need it even more. But it's just the mm-hmm. reality is, like, it's stressful. But it's, it's kind of amazing that you have that approach, like, okay, I missed today. Like, let's try again. Like, that's how it, it happens, right? By not giving mm-hmm. up. So good for you. Okay. So let's switch gears a bit. So you are on the self-discovery, but you did mention that you like lived in London and then you left. I'm assuming that's because of like life changes. You might've met your partner and yes. a child. So is that what happened like after this, the teaching or what was the trajectory of that? Ah, okay. So after Kundalini, I was offered an opportunity to join, I wouldn't say like a true startup, but it's like a, a more mature startup going through a growth phase with some former MySpacers. Okay. And that company was acquired by Disney. Wow. And so, yes, there was an opportunity for us to expand offices internationally and the role was based in London. And so I was like, yes, yes, and yes, I'm, I'm there. So I took an expat assignment that was supposed to be an 18-month assignment that ended up being a three-year assignment. And it was phenomenal. One of the richest experiences of my career. My mother had passed away the year after I certified in Kundalini. Sorry, mm-hmm. a couple years after and, and right before this opportunity came. So it, it couldn't have been better timing for me. And I'm just so grateful that all of the timing worked out because I was also at another phase in my career where I thought, gosh, what's next? I was actually pursuing an East Coast move and I was really pushing for New York. I felt like I was, I felt complete with LA and Mm. I was ready for some grit. Um, I, I was ready for some real grit. And my mother had passed and my father had already passed at this time. So I was really ready to just get on with my life. And I was early 30s. And so moved to London and Mm -hmm. it was amazing. Met the most phenomenal leader, mentor, who still, I really came into my own there. And I also uh, met my partner there. So Jake is my partner. He is born and raised uh, from Denmark. And we met in London. He is in investment banking. And yeah, we met through Inner Circle and we just hit it off. He was like literally the second date I went on when I came to London. And that's pretty much how it happened. I want to know, like, uh, just a little bit in terms of like work now, are you working with your partner? Like, what are you doing now with? Ah, we both moved to um, move back to the States and I didn't, I wasn't quite ready to pursue a commitment to another company. So I consulted And luckily I got into gaming. And so when I think I was really excited to get into gaming because it is the, the, it's very much here and now, and it's the new entertainment, if you will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I'm learning a lot about my relationship to gaming is quite probably average or less than the average gamer. So Mm -hmm. I'm learning a lot about gaming and it's, it's a new space for me. Prior to that, I was more in the sort of influencer YouTuber space, uh, learning more about commercial strategy. 
through those types of platforms and gaming mm-hmm. is a different is a whole nother world and it's it's really awesome it's really exciting and the interesting thing is i work in finance and accounting which is male dominated and now i'm in gaming and i'm working in the technology team also male dominated mm-hmm. and i really feel as though what you hit on before is that safety that calmness that peace i present often in my in my role uh, i i speak to lots of technology leaders in the company mm-hmm. and holding a space for those meetings and having safety to communicate and that authenticity is very important to me and it's mm-hmm. interesting i've seen my practice impact it has in these meetings like you're saying that calm and peace and i'm so grateful for it I, it's something that has been communicated to me after the fact and i'm i create a container i create safety and i try my best to have that practice before i you know start work each day and to see the impact of my kundalini practice and i also am um certified in akashic records mm-hmm. and it's part of the self discovery i've had that i've i've worked with lots of different modalities and spiritual healers and one day i realized you know i can heal myself i don't need to speak to anyone else or i need don't need to necessarily work with anyone else i can i can heal myself mm-hmm. and so that's why i started pursuing um the akashic records practice because i realized through past life regression i've done several past life regressions um i've done a lot of akashic healing um, what's akashic healing so akashic records are if you think about just imagine a book that has every moment breath experience memory of your soul imagine yeah. that in a book okay. and imagine that is all love based within the universe that is the akashic records and everyone has their own book if you will and for me what was happening is i was working with this phenomenal uh teacher brenda pell she's phenomenal and i'd been working with her on akashic records and she had been helping me with emotional trauma and what i didn't realize is all of the therapy i was doing was great in intellect right strong yeah. intellect it was helping me understand what's going on however there's emotional trauma that is on a cellular level within me And mm-hmm. so when people say, "Oh, did that trigger you?" That's a trigger, you know, whether it happened in a past life, whether mm-hmm. it happened in mm-hmm. this life. And for me, I thought, "Well, if that's the trigger, I want to go to source and I want to heal that." Right. Because just just because I mentally understand intellectually what happened, it doesn't mean that I've healed it. For sure. And so, yeah, and so that's what Bryn helped me in, in the most awesome way. heal things that were triggers for me and and by the way the work is never done that work will continue yeah no and sure. when she offered when i received an email one morning and it was when i had that realization of i can heal myself and as luck would have it you know when when you're ready the teacher appears as they say or the student appears and so she said i'm i'm teaching this now and i i committed immediately and so i've since taken about five four or five courses mm-hmm. um I've not done it to be a practitioner. I don't believe that is my calling per se, but I do believe my network, my relationships. If anyone is um as you know with the uh, human design and projectors, you wait for the invitation and It's so true. yeah, and the way that I the way that I utilize my my teachings is not so much in a relationship of a one-to-one counseling or practitioning. It's more in how I live my life and inspiring mm-hmm. 
that way. And it, as, as simple as oversimplified as that sounds. No, it's, it totally makes sense to me. And it's, yeah. I, I think that if people were to practice like they're calm and just put to practice everything that they learn spiritually and like in a general way, not in like specific to religion or that like just be good and love and all this stuff, you know, we wouldn't be living in such a, you know, sometimes very aggressive world, you know, it feels yeah. very intense sometimes. So it totally makes sense to me. And you're so articulate about explaining everything. It's just like amazing. So yeah, I'm curious though, to know, are you still in the gaming space right now? Thank you. Um, thank you for the kind words. Yes, I am. I'm actually working remotely. That's the beauty of uh, technology and having an awesome boss. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, and you also just recently had a child? Yes, Penelope. Yeah, I say recent because it, <laughs> it might feel that way. She actually turns two next month. Okay. But and she's still my- like a pretty recent yeah. major life change, you know? And she's my greatest teacher, if I'm honest. Yeah, she definitely is. And and I want to say something that I, I think that you were drawing upon that that's really worth mentioning is, as you were saying, in, in the world we live in today, you know, we are projections of ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And how we treat others. And one of the things I will say about Akashic Records, there's a lot of unconscious bias that happens, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. And I'm guilty of that too. You know, when I start a meeting, I'll say, hey guys. And it's like, yikes, I didn't mean to say that. (laughs) You know, it's like, hi everyone. (laughs) Hey party people. Hey team. You know, and it's just this natural thing where you can't help but address the room. It's like, hey guys, it's like, yikes. You know, I, I shouldn't have said that. And so oftentimes I feel there is unconscious bias. And one of the nice things about the Akashic Records practice I have and and also Kundalini is, is that when someone does, like you were saying, how how we treat each other. If someone treats me in a fashion that feels unwarranted, unkind, and just like not, it doesn't, it doesn't suit the the nature in which we're meeting. And I'm speaking specifically to like a work environment. Mm-hmm. Then I always check in with myself. One thing that I was not good at is um, I was always trying to understand why the other person did this to me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I want to make sure, Hey, are we good? You know, like, let's, let's get to a baseline level so we can start working harmoniously or like, let's just get to a baseline level of neutrality or something. And then Mm -hmm. we can move on. Mm -hmm. And it was, I wasn't giving myself what I needed. I was, I was constantly giving grace to the other person. So say, you know, let's just say the meeting starts and it's like a zing off the bat. And what my process would be is, Oh, wow. Okay their approach to the meeting is one way. So you don't have to meet them in their space, but just, you know, know that whatever's happening right now has nothing to do with you. And, you know, and I have this inner dialogue with myself, Mm -hmm. checking in with myself to say, wow, what do I need? What does my heart need, you know, to feel okay before I move forward? And so I was constantly giving, I'm naturally a giver. And what was happening is I wasn't replenishing and and I didn't have sometimes the capacity because I wasn't honoring self first. And so that's something I'm actually working on right now. This year, my mantra is be the observer. And so there's a lot of power in observation, right? Sure. Observing, but not necessarily taking action. And that balance mm-hmm. is really important. Mm-hmm. But what I wasn't giving to myself in observation, I wasn't giving anything to myself. I was just observing. Mm-hmm. But the next step is like, okay, observe, and then 
What do I need? What does my heart need? And then I can move forward. So and so, or I just want to know, like, what, what do you give yourself in that moment? Like, let's say you're in a meeting and someone's being like, not kind in their approach, so to speak. And like, mm-hmm. what, what do you do? Like, how do you get to that neutral place so that you can move forward? Like, what are your steps and actions that you take? Excellent question. I can speak to like, uh, there's been a recent experience of this. And so the first thing I did was I came back to breath. Right. Mm-hmm. And so my mind is moving a million miles a minute because <laughs> I'm like, For what sure. happened? Did I not, did I not deliver on something? What's going on? Like I, I have a very high expectation and standard of myself. So whenever something's amiss, I'm, I'm doing the math in my head. Right. Right. But um, I mean, for me, it's like, come back to breath always is the first thing mm-hmm. and breathe, breathe, breathe. And something mm-hmm. specific to meetings and even in an environment like this, right? When you're not confident or you don't feel good about what you're saying, it's felt. Regardless if if you know the, the subject matter or not, you can feel it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. for me, it's like, give myself. And so I'll give you an example. Like you said, someone was unkind or I felt blindsided, right? I find, mm-hmm. I th- if I feel blindsided in a meeting, whoa, what's happening? Okay, come back to breath and also understand really try my best not to take any of it personally and Mm -hmm. give my heart what it needs. And this is across any experience like this. Ultimately it's a gift and it's, it's taken me a while to see that, but it's Mm -hmm. an opportunity to explore and heal something that wants to be healed because if it's being triggered, it means that there's something live in me that's coming up that wants to be released in some way. And so what will happen in that meeting is I'll, I'll find my breath and depending on how it goes, sometimes if I observe that the other person is in a state whereby me replying in kind is not going to move it to a higher place, like I actually tend to to just listen, let mm-hmm. the person speak, and mm-hmm. then politely end the meeting, right? Because at the end of the day, it's like, what are you going to achieve? Yeah, I know, totally. Me, but it's like recognizing it in that moment. So you're not like, you know, it's not going around in circles and just like upsetting everybody. Exactly. It's important not to hook horns and not to, um, when I think of frequency, I don't always think of it as like, I'm up here and you're down here and I'm not coming down to your level. It's not that it's I'm here in a frequency somewhere and you're here. And it's not that either of us is right or wrong. It's just right now it's not congruent. It's not in a place where we can connect or Mm -hmm. it's, it's going to, it's going to advance anything. So, and and sometimes we have those people in our lives, right? They don't mean to be draining. They don't mean to be, they don't mean to be in this way. They just can't help themselves because they're in pain, right? Whatever it yeah. is, they're hurting. Yeah, I know for sure. It's like hurt people, hurt people, right? Mm-hmm. So I just kind of want to segue into, you know, talking about what, what do you think this is your get your biggest gift, you know, and this is what, what has led you to so much success, like just the self-awareness and like, the way that you go about it. Like, of course you must be very talented in your field, but it must also be that people admire the way that you go about things. Wow. I've never thought about it like that. That's really kind of you. Thank you for highlighting that. You know, it's hard to say it's self-discovery for sure. And it's also saying yes, right? When an opportunity Mm -hmm. comes, just Mm -hmm. say yes, you can explore it. And then if you change your mind, guess what? That's okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And surrender. Like for me, I was so fixed on moving to New York. I was just so fixed on it. But when London came, I thought, wow, 
it London happened because I let go of New York and I, I made, I had the clarity of saying, I'm ready for something more. I'm ready to work and live abroad. And I didn't have the, I was lucky that I didn't have the restrictions of, you know, having to worry about a sick parent. Anyway, when, when I did that and I surrendered, it was interesting how it all was just so easy. And that's when, you know, it's meant is because it just, it's, it just flows through so smoothly and easily. Yeah, no, I think a lot of, like, I love that you're talking about that because I think a lot of people get in their own way by like having the plan that they want to go after. And, and I'm guilty of it. I had, I had a very rigid outlook and even though the signs were like showing me other things, I just was like, put my head down and did, did the work, you know, just to get Mm. to where I wanted to go, which in the end might have not been what I actually really wanted. So I think like, I always admire when people say like, Oh, I just went with it. And I went and I did that and the doors opened and I just went with the flow, so to speak, because just like you said, you become very lucky in your fortune, right? You're just going with what is being presented to you. Right. And yeah. And trusting your gut more doors open, right? Because yeah. you're just flexible in that respect and um, not rigid in your approach. So yeah, I always think about that. Um, I'm also curious, just a little bit of a um, change in subject, like since you did change from living in you know North America to moving to Europe and like what are the cultural differences that you maybe like appreciate more and feel like might be more aligned with you? What are you missing? What, what are those differences that you just are so grateful for? Excellent question. I am a self-admitted Europhile. Mm-hmm. I love everything about it. And I know that that's like a big generalization because it's such a huge continent, but I am a Europhile. And London was the first city I've ever lived in that felt like home. I have never lived in any other city that felt like home more than London. And I don't know how to explain it. I mean, even growing up, I'm Samoan, right? Both of my parents are Samoan Mm -hmm. and I'm part Mm -hmm. German. Mm -hmm. And growing up in San Pedro, even visiting the islands, I always admired and, and enjoyed them, but I never felt like this is home. And I felt like going to London was like returning back to my soul and Yeah. And it's funny. I don't like, I don't look like anyone there. I don't sound like anyone there. I'm very American. But what I loved about London is the tradition, the refinement and the sophistication. Mm -hmm. I really loved the elegance of everything about London, the history. It was funny when I first moved there, I had to go to the ATM Mm -hmm. and the building was so grand that I just thought, surely this isn't the ATM. Like, and there was like a McDonald's and I was just like, wait, and I'm used to California, right? There's, we don't have history here. <laughs> right, right, right. There's like co- concrete blocks and there's just the tradition. Um, I also, what I really loved about London was, and this is no shade on LA, obviously coming, coming from LA, but when people ask you to meet up, they really mean it. And yeah. if they ask you... <laughs> And if people ask you about your day, they really mean it. And if they ask you about your family, they really mean it. And I just thought, wow, that's so interesting. (laughs) So refreshing. Yeah. And also when people invite you to their home, it's a big deal. And whereas in LA, it's like, you know, on Thanksgiving, you know, there was a time where 
up with some girlfriends and I had a couple colleagues at work who didn't have, you know, they were, they didn't have family in LA. So I'd invite them over and it was just like, yeah, of course you're welcome. You know, and there was even someone I dated in the past that invited me for Thanksgiving and you would think, wow, this is a really big deal, but it kind of wasn't. <laughs> yeah. It was, whereas in London, it's like, wow, you know, someone's opening their home. And when they, when they open their home, like it was this thoughtful dinner and, followed by tea and coffee. And it was just this really lovely connection. And the friendships that I forged there in the short time, I'm still very good friends with. And it's like, as if no time has passed when we connect. I have close friends like that in LA, of course, definitely. I have like sister friends here. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's amazing how the connection is just different and, mm-hmm. and how we speak is is different with some of the friends I've had for a really long time. And I love all my friends. I just <laughs> want to say that, but the, the level of the depth of the connection yeah. um, in the, in the pace, in the, in the timeline was really powerful. And I was very touched by, so um, yeah, but it's the refinement, the elegance, the, mm-hmm. is everything, the fashion. I also feel as though it's less trendy and more individualized fashion. Okay. Um, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm really, really so grateful to have chatted with you today and so grateful for your time and just like in awe of this conversation. I'm so excited for people to hear it because it's just there's so many gems and it's so inspiring, really, truly is. I'm like inspired by it. So I'm really grateful. Yeah, no. Thank, Thank you. you much. Yeah, I really, I'm so really, touched. Really appreciate it. No, really. Like I, I, I almost feel like it's the universe, like giving me a gift. So I'm really grateful. Oh, same. yeah. Same here. This was this was a gift for me as well, and I'm so grateful. Thank okay. you. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Please make sure to check out Tracy's. If you're interested in learning more about her, um, again, you can always check out lemis.com or at lemis studio on the gram. And I hope you enjoyed. Take care and we'll see you next time. Welcome back to La Miss the Pod. I'm your host, Dana, and today we have Teddy Sarah on the pod. She is a vegan lifestyle advocate and influencer based in New York City. She began her career as a child life specialist at a pediatric hospital and eventually turned her passion for animal rescue and adoption, as well as like living a cruelty-free vegan lifestyle, into her full-time career as an influencer. She turned her journey of rescuing Panny, her charismatic and lovable special needs pup, into an Instagram sensation. It's hard not to fall in love with Teddy and Panny together on their frequent adventures and travels. We chatted with Teddy about all things vegan lifestyle and how and why she switched career paths into a more entrepreneurial journey. We also discussed the importance of having a spiritual practice and of course all things Panny. It's the most amazing episode. I'm obsessed with her and her pup and her bunny and everything that she represents. She is a bright light and I know you're going to enjoy this episode. So here it is.
Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. All of Teddy Sarah's info is included in the show notes. And you can, of course, look us up at www.lemus.com and at Lemus Studio. Um, Feel free to always give us a shout if you have any questions. And take care and be safe. Have a good one.